We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We're in a series, and all the more it's becoming crucial why the Lord is dealing with us the way he's dealing with us. You know, all the more, every, every day. There's a lot of talk, and there's not a lot of doing. You know, there's a lot of talk. The Lord saved us. God saved us. Um, I said this morning that it's not exactly as it were that Jesus died that made us righteous or that justified us. It started in the mind of God. It started in the mind of the Father. It was that reckoning of God that necessitated Jesus coming. Do you understand? So it started with God reckoning us righteous and because he thought of us because he saw us as righteous in the fullness of time so here's what happens even before time as God thought of us righteous in eternity past at the very points that he thought of us righteous the lamb was slain and then it now becomes a function of in the fullness of time that Jesus comes as a man to pay the price to activate in time what had always been God's reality in eternity. So God has always reckoned us as sons. So we're not sons because we shout it. Are you following me? We're sons because he gave us authority to become sons. Now what behoves us more than anything else, what matters more than anything else, is the actual appropriation of that sonship. So that we don't get caught up In so much of I am, I am, I am. Listen, he is the reason you are. It is his declaration that brought you about. When you declare, you don't become. You declare to remind yourself who you are. Are you here? Your declaration makes you aware of your sonship. And it shouldn't stop there. It should push you further on to become Not as in becoming a son, but as in living out the reality of your sonship. Does that make sense? So sons of God that God has created and that Jesus has paid for are still of no earthly relevance in our sphere until they are actually L-I-V-I-N-G in their sonship. That's why we're on this series. Because there's a lot of Christians. There's very few believers. Plenty Christians. Christians everywhere. All dressed up, looking fly. But only very few people are on the Christ walk. On the actual Christ walk. Everywhere, it's not unique to us. So we're on this series to discipline ourselves. To narrow our focus. Do you understand? Oh, we are happy people. We are joyful people. We are worshipping people. But above all of that, we are Christ people. And because we are Christ people, we must of a necessity walk our talk. Ephesians 4 and 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk worthy of, not worthy for. Put up the TPT. As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy 
in a way that is suitable to your high rank. Given to you in your divine calling. You see how clear that is? Walk in a way that is suitable to your high rank. In other words, you have been, not you will be, you have been given a high rank. I mean, he, he sat you together. Ephesians 2 and 6. He sat you together with Jesus in heavenly places. In Christ. That's your high rank. Raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's see the nativity. He raised us up with Christ the exalted one and we ascended. Can you see that? We ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm for we are now co-seated as one with Christ now. Now. So nobody's asking you to perform to achieve anything. Nobody's asking you to do that. Because you're already there. You are sat with Christ. But sitting with Christ as complete and perfect as it is will not amount to superior living in the earth until you pay attention. I mean, some of you have followed me by now. I teach the gospel. I don't change it where I go. I don't try to sound like someone else. I don't try to sweeten it. It is what it is. It's what it is. Because we must be careful to not relegate your sonship responsibility to works. There's a branch of us that believe that I'm saved by grace through faith. Not of works. Nobody's dragging that with you. Me too. I'm saved. Not of works. I've never preached works. Ever. I have not even preached grace. Do you understand? People are hitting their heads against the wall. We haven't even preached grace. How do you think you have the totality of what scripture calls unfathomable? Can we talk for a minute? Think, what do you think the writer means when he says if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking? What do you think scripture means when he says where sin abounds? Grace abounds much more. So you think, oh, the world is so corrupt. There's so much evil everywhere. Let it inform you that there's so much more grace. Yes, everywhere. Yes, oh, the world is everywhere. Don't scatter. It should excite you to know that if there's so much darkness, oh, oh what a light. For Isaiah 60, I believe, thick darkness shall cover the earth. Verse 1, arise, shine, for the light has come upon you, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For thick darkness shall cover the earth. Verse 2, and gross darkness, the people. Next one. For the Lord. The Lord. The Lord. And his glory will be seen upon you. So sons thrive best in darkness. You understand? Sons don't pray for things to get better. Sons of God are not trying to fix the economy. (laughs) He that looks to the wind, scripture says, will not so. We're not trying to fix the economy. We're not worried about who is president. The broom or the umbrella, Democrats or Republican. Our citizenship is in heaven. And of a necessity, our reality and economy must be from there. Or we have a problem. So see, what matters is what you do with the reality, not what you say. What you do. Because you know, we can say all these nice, cute things. Until. Until. 
And that's why we're on very practically applicable, principled, systematic study of Christ. So it's not just some theorem in your head. Are you following me? Not just some message you heard. You think I just enjoy teaching 35 parts of a series. I just sit down and just teach one thing for six months. Because I don't have anything to do. It's because we have one thing to do. (laughs) This gospel. So that at the end of the day, there's sons that can practically appropriate their work with Christ. Practically. Not quote the scripture. Not post the WhatsApp, Facebook, story, TikTok, and Snapchat. Don't add anything to your Christ experience. Especially in this social media age. Where the color of your breath, you want the whole world to know. Who knows what I'm talking about? Anything. I've said over and over, only those who are following me take it seriously. The most dangerous thing that can happen to a man is to know he has an audience. You will begin to become unfiltered because there's somebody to press an emoji, to say like, to say love, to say care. You now begin to regurgitate the state of your thoughts because there's somebody who feels fed by it. And then you stop actually being spirit-led because you think it doesn't matter. Why is the Holy Spirit interested in my WhatsApp status? What part of you is he not interested in? If he ceases to be interested in any part of you, that part of you ceases to exist for his glory. So you cannot sectionalize how much of your life, let's bring it home, is submitted to the Holy Spirit. You cannot. And so we continue to struggle because we are compartmentalizing our work with God. Surely God is not interested in this. Surely this must be what he's interested in. I speak in tongues. And when I speak in tongues, I feel the Holy Ghost move up in here. Surely that makes me a son of God. I get cross and, I'm, and I say stuff and I'm upset and I, and I act on calf and, 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 I, and I don't have a filter in my emotions and, and I'm inconsistent. God shouldn't be worried by that because I speak in the Holy Ghost. That's what Christians think. Sons of God don't think that way. We are not wired to think that way. Oh, I know the word. I know I'm saved. I know it's eternal. I know it is forever. But I can go for three months. I don't need to talk to you. I can have a nasty, a nasty attitude towards you. But I know I'm eternally saved. You're actually not saved. If you think salvation licenses you to act however you like, you are not saved. You are wolves in sheep's clothing. Because the grace of God, Titus 2.11, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching them fleeing ungodly lost. Grace doesn't come to perpetuate your degenerate state. Are you hearing me, what abiding house? Grace does not come to perpetuate our degenerate state. But like I've showed you over the past two weeks, it revives, awakens your spirit so that you can start to process your mind and your processed mind can fix how you act in the natural. And that is spiritual growth. You see how deliberate you have been? Because you can be a son of God and not grow. 
quoting all the scriptures and not growing. Worse still, you can be a son of God and decide to not grow. And decide, I'm comfortable where I am. I'm comfortable with the revelation I have. I'm comfortable with the Holy Spirit I am hearing. I'm comfortable with how far I have come and you cannot push me any further. You are born again on your own terms and that makes you born against. Paul tells the churches, mark such people and avoid them. New Testament. There's people we shall love and avoid. Mm -hmm. There's people we love and mute their status after strike three. And block it after strike five. And Jesus is Lord. And all of us are saved. Uh There are people I will unfriend. I love you. You are doing pastoral. You are doing ministry. Praise God for your life. But this is toxic what you're saying. I'm in charge of my space as a son of God. I have that authority. So Paul says, mark anyone that does not follow this thing. Avoid them. Romans 16. People decide to not grow. No matter what you say, they are like Mount Zion. Now they cannot be moved. They abided foolishly forever. Because you can only stand your ground for truth against error. If you are errant or in error, confronted by truth, and you stand your ground against truth, you are not wise. And nobody can help you. And please do not wake up and think you can help yourself. The church is not structured like that. You will give account. You give account. It's not the doctrine of Christ to believe. It's not the doctrine of Christ. Why did he plant the church if you can be without it? Why did he say... Upon this revelation, I will build my church. So his death built. Past tense of build. Built. His death. His death built his church. His church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That means if anything is trying to prevail against the church, it is from or off the gates of hell. The only thing that can try to prevail against the church is of the gates of hell. Jesus himself said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. You can be in church and allowing yourself be an avenue for the gates of hell. Oh yeah, it won't prevail. That's the, that's the verdict. But you will try. And you start to do that as false Christ, when you are confronted with truth in error and you refuse to shift. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Only me, I can be at home and be, you are in error. Because you are saying that what saved you, you can do without. What you were saved into, you can do without. He built his church. There was no church before the cross. There was Israel as a type of the church at some point. And as an anti-type of the church. As a type of what the church should be. And as a type of what the church should not or would not be. At different points. But the church was birthed when Jesus died and rose. So you by your oneself cannot refuse doctrine in church. And claim you are alone the church. So if we are imitating as a house. We are imitating together. What he the pattern son sets before us. Are you here this afternoon? This is not time to be comfortable. It's not time to be full of yourself. 
and wear your salvation like a trophy. It's a time to look at the pattern son. Look at what he laid down and conform and follow suit. So you can't resist something that you say you're a part of. You can't. That's where submission comes in. You see how much it matters? Yes, sir. He says to you, do something. You can't process and put yourself first. You can't. Because what use is it to you when he told you what he willed it for and you refused? Do you understand? That you can be hungry and they put food in front of you and the Holy Spirit will tell you it's not for you. That's when you are a son. You are a son of God before you are a Nigerian. We have to get to the root of this culture. Son of God. And something is put in front of you. And you know, man, I could use some of this. And it says, this ain't for you. Or you are full. And there's food. And you're not hungry. And it says, eat. That's why it says, not about people that want to like to do something. It's people that are fully submitted under the hand of God. Fully. You can't sectionalize it. There's a limit to how much of sonship you'll exhibit in the earth. Sons are responsible people. They're not people that are drowning in the comfort of convenience. People that take responsibility for their father's business. People that are led by the spirit. Fully submitted. It means the weight of God is upon you. And it's the weight you are happy to have upon you. The hand of God is upon you. And it's the hand you're happy to have upon you. So at any point in your life, you feel the weight of his hand upon you. Guiding you safely in the way. You, you, you will never get to the point in your sonship where you guide God. God, I've grown. Let me follow me, God. Let me show you that we got this. We got this. No. And you can't misuse authority like that either. Close the heavens. Open the heavens. Call down fire. Kill 850 prophets. They sent transport for Elijah. Quickly. Say, hey, guy, guy, come on. He went home, sir. He was not lost. He was, he was withdrawn. Elijah was recalled. He was not lost. There's a difference. So there's things that we do with our authority that can truncate our earthly relevance. How do we know he was not lost? Matthew 17, Mount of Transfiguration. You see Elijah there. Showing that, you know, my, that my glory that was shaking my head was just the small one. Oh. Moses too. That small glory was the small one. Oh. Now this is the glory. The law and the prophets revealing the Christ. So Elijah was not lost. He's not lost. But he was recalled. Because you can have something in God. And not deplore it by God. I've taught on this in the past few weeks. Come, 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 chariot of fire. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bring him home before it causes more chaos. Who knows what else Elijah is about to do? <laughs> Who knows? He has called on fire, he has killed prophets, he has made people blind, he has stopped rain three and a half years. What else is Elijah about? Send for him. Because sonship is responsibility. Why was Elijah like that? He had no pattern example. Are you here today? Who was he following? Elisha shows up. Bears. 
Because they say you are bald. Uncle, if you are bald-headed and we tell you you are bald, why are you offending? Why? If not ego, something you don't have, choking you and making you want to exaggerate what you think you have. I dealt with this on Tuesday. If not ego, why would you get offended? If somebody said to you, look at you, bald head. You should do the sign of peace and keep walking, dude. Because as a matter of fact, your head is bald. It's not bald in hope. It's bald in fact. We're not promising you that you will be bald. We are just being the mirror to say, sir. And just like that, the guy vexed. Called two bears, not by an evil spirit. Because if that was the case, God would have stopped using Elisha. Just misused authority by virtue of wrong apprenticeship. Do you understand? Wrong, misused authority from wrong apprenticeship. He followed, in a manner of speaking, the wrong pattern of master. Two bears eat 50 children. Of what glory is that to God? You will now come and be saying, God of Elisha. Who is your pattern? Elisha or he that hung on the cross for your sins? Who is your pattern? That everything is biblical doesn't make it scriptural. I've told you before. If you want to kill somebody and get away with it, sir, there's a scripture for it. I can show you. In other words, there is... There is a Bible verse to justify almost anything in life. Had a meeting and I showed him some scriptures in Deuteronomy Leviticus. He was shocked. I've told you here in this house before. The Igbo tradition and some other traditions where if you are suspecting your wife, she's cheating on you. You don't take her to the shrine. And then they will now wash something and then give her to drink and, and, and swear and say if you're cheating, then you swell up. Word for word is in the Bible. Word for word. Word for word in Leviticus. They shall take her to the high priest in the presence of the Lord. They shall wash the scroll and take dust from the ground and mix it and give her to drink before the Lord. She shall bring the jealousy offering, it's called. And it shall be that if she were innocent, then she shall not swell up and die. But if she were, it is in scripture. Word for word. If you want to use salt to do such, there's a Bible verse for it. You want to champion herbs, there's a Bible verse for it. Because the Bible says, every herb I have given to you for food. And they, that's their scripture. They hold on to it. There's a verse for it. So you must understand that the Bible is not a life dictionary. It's not some manual you just go and look. Okay, is it here? It's here. Let me do it. It's not a dictionary. It's a pointer to who you need to see. That if you're not careful, you will not find in the pages of this book. And you say, I know my Bible front to back, center to middle. Every verse, every book, every chapter. You know the Bible and you don't know its subject. Yes, sir. Because in Luke 9, we see Jesus shows up. 49, 50, 51. Walking through Samaria. The guys were rude to them. 
sons of thunder, Boaginis, James and John. Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. When his disciples, we'll go back for context, give me 51. When the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? See, they are meant on their pattern. Are you getting it now? Just as Elijah did. So who was their ministry pattern? Elijah. And because it was in the scripture, they were convinced it was godly. I mean, Elijah did it. It is recorded. And not only are we wanting to do it because Elijah did it, they were convinced that they had the authority to do it. Because if Jesus had said yes, the fire that will consume that village will make you understand why Jesus nicknamed them. Because don't think they were just issuing empty words. Don't think so. Hear how instructive. Now, if this doesn't help you, nothing else will. But, in stark opposition to, as a market departure from, that's what that conjunction means. But, he turned and rebuked Elijah's proteges and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. In other words, the manner of spirit you are of does not call down fire to consume people just as Elijah did. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. That's the first prayer point, right? And be glorified. We're pretty here. Yeah, just as it is with you. See verse 2. And pray that we be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. I mean, this is Paul. Somebody was sleeping and, and died, and he just woke the guy back from the dead and continued teaching. His shadow as he was walking was healing the sick laid out. Paul had no qualms calling fire on these wicked and unreasonable men. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. After all, they don't have faith. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So they can die. But it says, pray for us that we may be delivered from them. The men will day. You know, then go day. You know, the men will, they will day. But we will be delivered from them. I've said over and over, the God that needs to kill your opposition for you to prosper is a weak God. Yes, that God should be serving you. Yes, the God should be a member of your church. A God that needs to kill opposition is admitting that the opposition is too much of a threat to you for him to preserve and sustain you. So he has to kill them so that he can look after you. He's nothing more than a hired assassin. A real boy from your community. Nothing more. Nothing more. If he has to kill people because you are are threatened, he cannot sustain you without taking out the opposition. It's a political thug. We have a pattern. And the pattern is not Elijah. Praise God for his ministry. 
Oh, he did wondrous things. Amazing things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, hallelujah. Praise God for Elijah. The pattern is not Elisha. Praise God for his life. Blinding people in 50s. Pow! Close your eyes. Blind. Blind. Just, just sharing blindness. Calling fire from heaven. The pattern is not Moses. Moses saw that he was not the pattern and he was humble. He wanted to see it. Show me your glory. He came down without it. You were jubilating him because his face was shining. The guy was crying that what he wanted to see, he could not see and would not see. The pattern is Jesus. The son of God. Crucified. Exalted. The pattern is the apostles that have followed in his pattern. Mimites. Look and do. You are a particular way, but you must look and do. Don't let it get, don't let it get, don't let it get twisted. A son is born in a very posh, sophisticated home. Wealthy. Privileged home. And as the boy starts to grow, he looks at his two shoes and wears the left at the right. And the right at the left. He's a son, but he doesn't know how to run with it. Someone has to keep showing him. Not teaching him to be a son. Yes, sir. But teaching him how sons roll. Yes, sir. Teaching him how sons do it. If you give that child a bar of soap, it is going straight in his mouth. Give him his freshly laid poo. It is going in his mouth. And guess what? The kid doesn't even know that it's poo. Because he has no yardstick for reference. It's poo, you just eat it. You are the one who has grown in it that knows that this guy is eating what he should not eat. But because the guy doesn't know what he should eat or not eat, he doesn't know when it tastes bad. Because taste, I've I've taught you here, is measured against something. Righteousness is measured against something. Guilt is measured against something. In the absence of that, nothing can be said to be imputed to you. Now you start to resist because you feel like, I'm a son, don't tell me what to do. You will stay there and grow up wrongly. All the son that you are. And resist the right diet, you will turn out a particular way. And you have nobody to blame but yourself. Because at some point, even the nanny responsible for you, who cannot, as it were, discipline you, as I taught when I was dealing with angels, the nanny has a level of experience To tell you this is how you wear your shoes. So you cannot refuse sound counsel because of your understanding of your position. In fact, your understanding of your position should open you up all the more to receiving counsel. So you gain mastery of your position. It's only unwise sons that resist counsel. Because when you understand I'm a son, you're open to everything it takes for you to fully manifest sonship. It is an aberration to go through the earth and not have acquired full mastery of your sonship. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. So we are teaching this series, Imitate. We are in the submission of Jesus and the apostles, right? We dealt with obstinacy. I dealt with mind control on Tuesday being spiritual maturity. And I hope that somebody caught that. Let me wrap this up for today. I stopped off saying that usually a drastic change of narrative or a divine intervention. And then I qualified what I meant by that. When I said that God doesn't intervene. Okay, who was here on Tuesday? 
So when you say divine intervention, there's no amount of prayer or giving, seed sowing or reaping, supplications or bribery that can make God go against his will. Heaven will not rest. It's a lie. That's why he told you to ask whatever in accordance with his will. Inside here, you can take whatever you want. Inside here. Are you with me? If you go into an Apple store, S21, S21 Plus are on the way. My God, they look lovely. You ain't going to see it in an Apple store. They are amazing. But you will not see a Samsung phone in an Apple store. Because the wheel of Apple is iPhone, iPad, iPod, Mac, and accessories. The wheel of God does not include Samsung as far as Apple is concerned. Inside the Apple ecosystem, you can buy and deal with whatever you want. There's absolute liberty inside the Apple ecosystem. Think of God's will as an ecosystem. You are in God's will as Apple and you are wanting Samsung. You now go for 10 days fasting. Give offering because somehow you can convince God that Apple ecosystem is not enough for him. Follow me carefully. You now get up because it is one you. You want to buy Samsung of 550,000 Naira. And because of your one prayer request, Apple should throw aside its entire policy in order to just bring in one Samsung for you to buy. Once they give you your Samsung, they can go back selling whatever they want to say. You're not interested. You want a Samsung phone and you want to buy it in an Apple store. That's what happens to a son of God who is praying for something outside God's will. It's not that God does not have the capacity to give it. How much is one Samsung? But we will have to rewrite scripture, rewrite the cross, rewrite the entire pattern because we indulged one nonsense prayer request that you came up with. In other words, God cannot continue to be the eternal God he has always been if he deviates from the pattern to indulge your excesses. That's why a lot of us here don't have answered prayers. Because you go to God with the speck of what you want. Regardless of whether or not it's his will. And he loves you. But he ain't got what you're after. Because it will negate his very nature and essence. So you stay there a long time. See, that's why this, in this journey, submission is important. This is what I want, nevertheless. That's the pattern. This is how I feel, nevertheless. This is what I would have done. Nevertheless, not my will. Because if Jesus had his way, he would have been drinking a different cup, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, my God. You can say sweet again. He would have, oh, my Jesus. He would have been drinking nectar, cappuccinos, lattes, frappuccinos, you know, Bailey's Irish cream on the rocks. He would have been drinking all kinds of cups. And not the one that would have saved me. And he said, not my will, but I be done. That's the pattern, sir. Do you not think I would have called my father and he would have sent 12 legions of angels? 
Tell us, tell us, tell us who slapped you to Jesus. Blinded him. You know all things. You know all things. Who slapped you? Jesus. Elisha is calling fire. Elijah is calling fire. Blindness. Think of Jesus. Um, Young prophet goes to Rehoboam. And the king wants to slap him. And the hand freezes and withers instantly. And you slap Jesus. And then you have mind to ask him, tell us who slapped you. Eh? And he went through it. So you can see the pattern. If Jesus had killed one person, hear me now, he will forever lose his boast for God so loved the world. It would have had to be for God so loved the world minus the one I killed. So all it took was for Jesus to try and kill one person in his anger. Jesus provoked. How dare you talk to me, son of God almighty, like that. Thunder, kill you there. And by, by the time Jesus is thinking, the thunder, you are roasted. You are literally roasted. Roman centurion came to Jesus. My servant, not even my son, my servant is sick. Jesus said, let's go. The guy said, God forbid. Me, I understand authority. He saw Jesus, he said, say a word. I don't don't want to prolong it. He said, speak a word. He didn't say, speak a word of healing. And when you go home, read it. Read the narrative. When Jesus started speaking, he did not talk about healing. Yes, sir. He began to preach something totally different, like a message he had prepared and had not had time to preach. As soon as Roman centurion said, preach, he started speaking something totally disconnected from the narrative. Jesus was not saying, oh yeah, you know, healing comes to those who have faith. So he, what Jesus was saying had nothing to do with the Roman centurion servant. Jesus went off tangent. And scripture says, that very hour, just because the word was happening, healing took place. Not because Jesus spoke healing. Yes, he did sir. not. Yes, sir. He didn't. He was just speaking. The same way that the creations came to be was the same way sickness knew its boss. Its boss did not need to address it. And you slap him. And then ask him, identify who slapped you. He who is the end from the beginning and everything in between. Change your mental. That's the problem, sir. We have looked to the wrong people for leadership. You are with Jesus, traveling with Jesus, and are collecting ministry advice from Elijah. You are with Jesus. Do you know what it means to be physical? When John says, what our hands have touched. Hey, hey. First John 1. Our eyes have seen. We have handled with our own hands. Right there. Physically. And you are consulting Elijah. And we are here. Over 2,000 years later. Since the narrative was corrected. We now go back in history. Jump the cross. Ignore the cross and go back 
to what he saved us from. See where the church has missed it. We go straight back to what he saved us from. Skip the cross like it doesn't matter. And go straight back to Elijah. Elisha. Jehu. Push her down from up. She fell. Ah, her neck broke. Ah, powerful prophet. Dogs came and eat and lick her blood. You see, and then you make a doctrine out of that. And you get caught up in Jezebel as a woman and not realize Jezebel as a woman was a type of Jezebel as a spirit of Babylon in Revelation. It takes Revelation for you to know that Jezebel was not a woman. That Jezebel was a spirit, a Babylonian anti-God system. So if you are killing after the like of Jezebel and it's not religion you are destroying, you are the Jezebel. <laughs> because if we take out Jezebel, the church should be pure. So you have to be careful what you imitate. And the measure of his voice is his word revealed. That's the measure of the Holy Spirit's leading. In other words, he will not lead you contrary to the word revealed. He will not. So if it's not in line with the word revealed, you and your Holy Spirit can take a chill pill. I'm not interested in you or your Holy Spirit. Keep it. Because we're submitted people. Are you here? An entire thing could have been lost. Peter would have blown our chance at the gospel. Can you imagine that? Because he knows greed. Because he knows God so well that God cannot do anything different to what he knows God can do. But eventually Paul yielded. Peter yielded. The apostles yielded. Acts 16, they start to change a little bit and they start to conform and they start to go from progressive submission towards perfect submission. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations by the preaching of the gospel. That is the mandate. The mandate is not going to preach the gospel. Make disciples of nations. Then you add Mark 16. By the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the same. Are we here? So, default state to the gospel is what? Go. We're not waiting to hear from God anything special. Go. We're gone. As they were going, the Holy Spirit said, don't go. What would you do? Every foul voice, every voice from the enemy. I come against you. I raise a standard against you. Every voice of darkness infiltrating my ear. I bind you. I curse you. And when you finish, God is like, have you finished? Don't go. We were forbidden. In other words, we were resisted by the Holy Spirit. Tipity. The Holy Spirit had forbidden Paul and his partners to preach the word in the southwestern provinces of Turkey. So they ministered throughout the region of central and west central Turkey using modern day geography to explain that whole area of Mesopotamia. Verse 7. Speech to the New King James. I'm coming to Tipiti. After they had come to Mysia, they tried after they left Asia unsuccessfully. They came to Mysia. They tried to go into Brithnia, 
but the spirit did not weak brethren let us pray there is a resistance in the atmosphere they will, not, they will not misquote Paul. A great and fervent effectual door is open unto me and there are many adversaries. Brethren, we have to pray. So at the point you are praying over what you should be obeying, you are walking in disobedience. You start praying or praising to change God's mind. So God can, can reason and have sense. And go, okay, I've seen it. I think, I think you are right here. Yeah, I think you have a, have a point there. Don't celebrate what you think you got away with. Don't celebrate what you think you got away with. There's a count day in the future. So as a son, part of your responsibility is understanding that not every approval you get is profitable. So you now become careful how you push. Because sometimes I will allow you so you can also go and understand for yourself that it was not good for you. Does that make sense? And a lot of times we're praying about what we should just obey. Just submit. Because he knows. He has the final say. He knows. So these guys start to yield. Go on when in verse, verse 9 or 10 and 7. But it's really did not permit them. Yeah, next one. So passing by Mysia, they left Mysia. They came down to Troas 9 and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. 10. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that that was where the Lord had called us all along to preach the gospel to them. 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and the next day, came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. So they just began to go into the Macedonian region, concluding that it was not time for Bithynia. It was not time for Mysia. It was time for Macedonia. And the person who sent you with the gospel knows who was ready to receive it when. But you know, we can start to argue intellectually. What is the gospel now? Jesus wants us to preach the gospel. Why would he be in our way? And you think it's new? Ask Balaam and the donkey. Ask Balaam and the donkey. How will he be in our way? How will he be God in our way? And you start to cast and bind. I was sharing with somebody the other day who was saying, you know, the family went through stuff, they were trusting God for something that didn't come through. And I said to you, to him, I said, listen, sometimes you're ready for something. But it's like a game of chess. There's a game going on already. And both players know where all their instruments are. Their pawns, their kings, their queens, their knights. Right? They know where all they are, or a game of draft. I don't know how draft works, but it's similar. You know that if this person makes this move, you block the person there. I like to use chess because they are all um, um, parts of an army. Right? So you have your knights, you have your, you know, all the guys and they're in strategic places. And then you, you come in and you just want to enter the game. But there's no space for you. It's your time. You're good at the game. You have merited it. But this game that is going on now is not your game. Are you following me? Not your game. And God in his mercy will keep you away from the game until the game is over. So you feel like I'm qualified to be promoted. I'm, I'm at level, civil service level 14 
or 15. And what's, what's the level for, for permanent sake? 16. I'm at, I've been at 15 for so long. I, I'm due for 16. I'm due for 16. God, if you're God, I've served you. Push me into my next level. Push me. And we pray that prayer a lot. And we feel like God is not answering you. Other people get moved. But there is a game that you're not part of. You are ready for promotion. But the commissioner in charge of that prior starter has a game going on. Has his king, has his queen, has his pawn, has his prince or whatever, had his knights. And you are not in that game. There's something they are working on. And you don't have a place in that game. If you enter that game and cannot take your place, they will take you out. So people die as soon as they enter a level. People are promoted and shortly after they are taken out. Why? Because you stumbled upon a game of chess in which you were not a participant. Somebody's running the game at that time. You are qualified to play it, but not on this game. So your father looks ahead, sees the game, sees who is coordinating it, and sees that there's no place for you in this game. The person coordinating this game now, if you force yourself into that level, he will take you out. So in his love and his providence, he forbids you. He doesn't deny you. He restrains you in a season so they can wrap up that game. They are done with the game. They are off to another level. By the time you enter your level 16, the people that were fighting it life and death have moved on to other matters. Now there is space for you. And there is somebody that can absorb you into their game. At that point, he lets you in. It's not enough to be promoted, sir. You have to be promoted in the right atmosphere to take your place in the game that is ongoing at that time. Calm down. Submit yourselves under his mighty hand. Submit yourself. And as I'm speaking now, some of you can see exactly what I'm saying. People pushed for something and pushed for something and they got in and not long after they pushed in, they were taken out. Because they kept pushing and disregarded whether or not they had a space in the game, regardless of whether or not they merit what they are after. So he sees it and he keeps you away for a season, for your good. You don't see anybody who was fully yielded, fully submitted, that walked into error or lost. A good example as I round up is Timothy. I mentioned this last week that I'll show you guys today. Totally yielded fellow. Totally submitted. It's beautiful. No resistance. It doesn't pay to fight God. It doesn't. You spend all your energy that you should use thriving in the earth. Fighting a God you cannot win. And you think you are fighting against his will. Or you are fighting to, uh, to perpetuate his will rather. You are fighting against it. It doesn't pay. That's why he's God. And as sons, we decode his will. We decrypt his will and we execute it in the earth with no agenda of our own. Are you still here as a roundup? Timothy was a fantastic example. Fantastic. Fantastic. Fantastic example. Every time Paul spoke, he spoke highly of Timothy. Let's see a few examples. 1 Corinthians 4, 15. For though you you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers, For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. 16. Therefore, I urge you, Paul telling Timothy, telling the Corinthian church. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. 
For this reason of you imitating me, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son. That's beautiful. My beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Let me break this down. I am your father in the gospel. I begot you in Christ Jesus in the gospel. Now, I need you to imitate me. Watch how I live in Christ Jesus and do the same. There's a problem. I'm in prison, so you cannot see me to imitate. All you have of me are what I taught you when I was with you and the few letters we have exchanged. But I need you to pattern your life in following Christ after me. Because of this, I am sending you Timothy. So that as you see Timothy, anything you see Timothy doing is me. Any way Timothy speaks to people, that's how I speak. Any way Timothy conducts himself, that's how I conduct myself. I'm sending Timothy to you so that you can imitate me. Not Timothy. But Timothy is such an expression of me. As I am such an expression of Christ Jesus, I need you to imitate me. See it in Timothy. My beloved and faithful son in the Lord. The best I can do for you so you can see me is to send Timothy. Timothy is as good as me as I am among you. Paul is overtly confident that Timothy will put Paul on display the way Paul puts Christ on display. That kind of commendation can only come at the place of submission. Timothy was anointed. Timothy understood scripture younger than Paul did. Paul fought the gospel. Timothy understood from a child that gospel makes you wise to salvation. From when that was a child, that has known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation. Paul knew the scriptures in the absence of salvation and he knew it late. Timothy started off earlier with the, with the scriptures making wise unto salvation. What am I trying to say? Timothy could have been his own apostle and geo. Quickly. Timothy could have started his own thing. But he stayed faithful and beloved to Paul. Drew all of Paul as Paul drew all of Christ. And when Paul was going to show himself to Corinth, Paul sent Timothy. If this doesn't instruct you in discipleship and followership, there's nothing as I can say. Nothing as I can say. These are things I saw early in my life and began to follow. I commend him to you. I'm sending him to you so you can watch him and learn me. Timothy gets there. You know what? If I don't show my own anointing, Hey, I will, I will be hungry. Oh. So I have to show them that, you know, there is a Timotherian grace. I want you to imitate me. For this reason, I'm sending Timothy. He will teach you my ways. Put that scripture back up on the screen. Let us see before we move on. Is it helping anybody? That's why I've sent my dear son, Timothy, whom I love. He's faithful 
and will remind you of how I conduct myself as one who lives in union with Jesus, the anointed one. And he will remind you of the teachings that I bring to every church everywhere. Paul was confident that Timothy had followed enough to know all he teaches the churches. All Paul teaches any church, he was confident Timothy had caught. So Timothy becomes his extension. Philippians 2, 19 to 23. Let us go from 17. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as, an, as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you for this same reason. You also be glad and rejoice with me. 19. I'm being poured out as a, as a drink, drink offering. Paul was saying I'm getting ready to die. Does that make sense? All right, go back to 17 in the TPT. But I will rejoice even if my life is poured out like a liquid offering to God over your sacrificial and surrendered lives of faith. Yeah? And so no matter what happens to me, you should rejoice in ecstatic celebration with me. Make sense? Yet I'm trusting in our Lord Jesus that I may send Timothy to you soon so I can be refreshed when I find out how you're doing. Message 19. I plan according to Jesus' plan. That's beautiful. To send Timothy to you very soon so he can bring back all the news of you he can gather. Oh, how that will be doing my heart good. So here's Timothy in Corinth showing them how to imitate. Right? Here's Paul again sending him to Philippi so he can gather news. So we send you to do something, delegate something to you, and you cannot bring report. Because you feel it's too cumbersome for you to give verbatim report of what happened. You're a lazy disciple. Paul is sending Timothy again because Timothy will bring all the information of the health of the Philippian church. Not because he was the only one to send. You cannot give report. Say something exactly as it has been said. You're not fully submitted. You have to paraphrase in, into 10 words what you were told in 100 words. You're a lazy disciple. You're cutting corners. You're simplifying. And you will not grow. Because if you come back to me and paint me a picture that is not the full picture you saw, you have usurped authority. In other words, I sent you to do something for me. You have seen, enjoyed, and received what I sent you to do, and you did not pass all of it to me. You ended up going and doing it for you. If I sent you to do something, and you gathered one hour of information, and you passed it over to me in five minutes, you failed. Because you encountered it. I sent you there so that when you are dealing with me, when you are reporting to me, I can feel like I encountered it. If you then give me a synopsis of what you encountered, then you went there for yourself. Because now your experience is greater than your report. Do you understand what I just said? Go to this event on my behalf. Tell me how it goes. I didn't say go to this event. I sent you go here. Now you come back. How was it? It was great. This guy preached. He did well. He spoke about this and that and that. And that person sang. All, all, all in all, it was beautiful. You failed. Because you stole an experience that was not yours. Did you hear me? You went and benefited from something. That is not yours because you didn't hand it over as you experienced it. So you failed as a disciple. That's why he tells the same Timothy, the things you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, hand the same down. 
So if I taught you Christ conscious believer in 35 parts, you would teach it like that. I know my, my pastor taught it very long. I will shorten it. You will remove the detail. And so you will bring people up in what you think is the same message of a different quality. Did you hear me? In what you think is the same message, different quality. You rushed the cooking. I slow cooked it. You turned maximum heat all at once. And the thing started to burn before it was done. You know what I mean? It starts to burn before it is done. You think we didn't know to rush it? You think, I mean, if I was trying to preach to get out all I know, man, every single Tuesday will be a brand new teaching. So part of submission is absorbing as you are given and releasing as you absorbed. Exactly. Exactly. Absorbing as you're given, releasing as you absorbed. Same thing. So the experience doesn't change. Are you here what abiding house? The experience doesn't change. Doesn't change. Go on, Philippians 2. Switch back to New King James. Let's go on to 20. For, yeah, 20. Look at what Paul says, please. Please, careful. For I have no one like-minded. Paul says, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Tipity. No one else I have John Mark, Epaphroditus, Silas, Barnabas, Titus. I have a lot of sons. But I have no one that is exactly as me except Timothy. See, okay. Timothy is like no other. He carries the same passion for your welfare that I carry in my heart. Is anybody being instructed? The same passion. Timothy is like no other. Message. I have no one quite like Timothy. Do you see that? He is loyal and genuinely concerned for you. NLT. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. What touches me over you, Philippi, touches Timothy in the same way. Imitate. Now, this is a totally different church. In fact, this is a region of churches. First Timothy 1. We've seen him in Corinth, right? We've seen him in Philippi. Let's see Paul telling Timothy stuff in First Timothy 1, verse 3 and 4. As I urged you, Paul is telling Timothy, right? As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in where now? <laughs> One boy. Can't I have a life of my own? I have a family to raise. I have business. I can't be, my business won't thrive if I'm moving from place to place, doing what you like willy-nilly. And you fail every class of discipleship. No matter how much you succeed, where you planted yourself, you fail. No matter how much you succeed, in a place you planted yourself, a failure. Nobody else tells you, take it from me now, according to scripture. Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Go to a place, gather all the info, 
There's nobody else like you that can do it the way that I will do it. Stay in a place. Go to a place. Show them exactly how I am so they can learn my ways. Stay in a place and teach sound doctrine. Everybody else will teach nonsense. One man submitted. Verse 3, TPT. I hope somebody in this house is getting instructed. These are the responsibilities that come with the gospel that we have abdicated in our Kuriakos movement. Everybody, Kuriakos. Love and joy and peace and music and fun. And nobody's taking responsibility as sons. And then you resist it as works. Work worthy of your calling. You are created unto good works. You are created unto good works. Ephesians 2.10. And as I urged you when I left for Macedonia, I'm asking that you remain in Ephesus to instruct them. Not to teach or follow the error of deceptive doctrines. Go on. Nor pay attention to cultural myths, traditions, or the endless study of genealogies. Those digressions only breed controversies and debates. They are devoid of power that builds up and strengthens the church and the faith of God. Now, these are not exactly my, my emphasis. The point is that he says, stay in Ephesus and teach them doctrine. Open their eyes to what is wrong, based on who's teaching the message. On my way to the province of Macedonia, I advised you to stay in Ephesus. Well, I haven't changed my mind. This is a letter Stay right there on top of things so that the teaching. I deliberately don't check these translations because I don't consult them for doctrine. So I, I'm, as, I'm as odd as you are when we pull it up and I see what it says. And so in the, in the rare instances where it doesn't conform with the original language, I refuse it. Stay on top of things so that teaching stays on track. Who was he sending again? Timothy. Ephesus, Timothy, Corinth, Timothy, Philippi, Timothy. It's the hallmark of being a disciple, being submitted to God. James 4, 7, we are submitted to God. That's where we started, right? Submission in this series. James 4, 7, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we submit to God. We submit to church leaders, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be. For they watch out for your souls. That's how you know it's not government. They watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that will be unprofitable for you. First Peter 5, 1 to 5. We submit to God. We submit to church leaders. The elders who are among you, presbyters, I exhort, who I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, but not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but by being... Are you guys getting this? And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Five. Likewise, this is the emphasis. You younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God, Peter says, resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. 
So one of the hallmarks of grace is humility. We submit to church leaders. We submit to one another as you see there. And as you see further in Ephesians 5.21. Submitting to one another. Wives submit to your own husbands. Husbands submit to one another including wife. So guess who does the submitting? All of us. All of us. In the fear of God. We submit to constituted authority. 1 Peter 2.13. We submit to God. We submit to church leaders. We, we submit to one another. We submit to constituted authority. Therefore, submit yourselves. Is this very clear, right? Yes, We're seen from scripture. Submit yourself to the ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether to the king as supreme. Please switch, switch the TPT so it's simpler. Start again from 13. In order to honor the Lord. Beautiful. In order to honor the Lord, you must respect and defer to the authority of every human institution. Whether it be the highest ruler or the governors he puts in place to punish lawbreakers and to praise those who do what's right. 15. For it is God's will for you to silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing what is right. Next verse. We're going to 17. As God's loving servants, you should live in complete freedom, but never use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. So the government says shut down because of COVID-19 directives. And you want to form righteousness by insisting on having meetings. And when we come and shut down your service, you say we're persecuting you. You are being foolish. Yes, sir. You're being foolish. Because civil authority says shut it down. And scripture says submit to them to show your honor of God. Not because they deserve it. So we shut it down. I would have to feel spited. Again, it's ego. You're feeling like, oh, the governor has just shown he's more powerful than the GO. So he's paining you. Please, where's my people? Talk to me now. He's paining you. How, how, can they, how can I have such control over my people? And then the governor come and say, don't meet. When I'm the GO of my people. So no, who will you obey? The governor or the GO? I say we meet. Now go jail. Respect. Put it back up. First Peter 2, 13-17. Never use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Go back to 13 in, in, the, in the message. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Make God proud of you by being a good citizen. You're not glorifying God by driving forever without a driving license. It's not a factor in your salvation, but it's a factor in walking worthy of the calling. Yes. Are you following me now? Yes. Every time you are telling one story after the other, one story after the other, one story after the other, you are making the father proud. Respect the authorities, whatever their level, they are God's emissaries for keeping order. Romans 13, 1 to 7. TPT, very quickly. Every person must submit to and support the authorities over him. For where there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment, which means that every authority that exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God. Are we here? Start verse 2 again. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God. Which results in severe consequences. Paul speaking. Verse 3. For civil authorities don't intimidate those who are doing good. But who are doing evil. 
So do what is right and you'll never need to fear those in authority. They will commend you for your good citizenship. Those in authority are God's servants for the good of society. But if you break the law, you have reason to be alarmed. For they are God's agents of punishment to bring criminals to justice. Why do you think they carry weapons? Verse 5. You are compelled to obey them, not just to avoid punishment, but because you want to live with a clean conscience. If only we can allow the culture of the kingdom to permeate us and be sons of God. At checkpoints alone, they will know everybody from what abiding house. At supermarkets, they will tell those people. Because you're jovial, you're sweet, you're endearing. You keep to the rules. How somebody obeys in the absence of fear of consequence determines how responsible that person is. And scripture says obey. Verse 6. This is also the reason you pay taxes. Mm -hmm. Government authorities are God's officials who oversee these things. So it is your duty to pay all the taxes and fees that they require and to respect those who are worthy of respect. Honoring them accordingly. We submit to authority. Wives submit to husbands. That's the divine order. As the church submits to Christ. Ephesians 5.22 Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives submit to your own husbands. Husbands have authority only over their own wives. Not men having authority over all women. So every man walks around feeling like, yeah, you're a woman, yeah. submit to me. That's what happened. So for instance, as ladies, a guy cannot love you and disrespect you or objectify you at the same time. Oh, he loves me. Hello, hey, sit down here. What are you doing that? Turn around. Do this. Do the other. It's not love. He's possessed. Or look at you and the only virtue he sees is your body. And how it inspires him to do profound things. And there's a a place for that. You cannot objectify someone and respect them at the same time. Does that make sense? There are certain things that happen only inside the remit of a mutual relationship. Only. You can't lead with it. You can't order a woman around. Say, I love you. Get up, bring my food, take it to bed, carry the plate, move the plate from here, drop it here. Ah, ah, that what happened? I am more man than you. You know why? Because my husband, Jesus, that's what he does with the church. Where's my back? Everywhere. Carries my matter everywhere. He's proud of me everywhere. Anyhow. You are the woman rapper. I am imitating my husband. I am only qualified to be a husband because of the husband I have. It's being a good wife that makes me a good husband. It's not having a good wife. It, let me repeat. It's not having a good wife 
that makes me a good husband is being me a good wife to my husband that has taught me how to be a good husband to my wife. Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. So a husband that is receiving submission is a husband that is fully submitted. Fully. He carries your bag. He's proud of you. Shows you around as trophies of his victory. 2 Corinthians 2.14 I carry the woman's bag. I rock it. It's ego. You're too full of yourself. Your own husbands. Not every man feeling like every lady is subject to him. This is why I put up Friday so we can see things that we need to start addressing. Because there's this misogynist attitude that makes men, especially around here, feel like every woman is under them. That you are who? Have you seen how your nose looks? We have this overinflated sense of self in African men. Like a hydrogen balloon. Just get up, everyone. Hello, how are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Come and hug me. Is it by force? Is it by force? It's not the spirit of God. It's a perverse spirit. It's perversion. Perversion, and there are plenty in church. Brothers, oh, come and hug me. Come and hug me because you can't stand breast. My name is Alexander Victor. They call me Pav, and I will speak. A little hug, you feel electrocuted. So you walk around and you cannot control yourself. You need to grow up or you will spontaneously combust. We're not lawless. We have a kingdom principle guiding us. Every woman is not under every man. That's why a man thinks a woman is there for him to rape. Why do you look like that? Why do you look that? Are you stupid? Where's sense of where's sense of self-control? Where's sense of seeing somebody else as a precious son of God that he also died to save? And vice versa. Why is that? We don't act as we like. Wives submit to your own husband. Own. Own husband. I told you a story of when we were asked to pray somewhere. My wife was told to cover her hair. I said, for what? She's not covering her hair. Pray or if you're not praying, let's go. If we are going to cover hair, literally, I am the only person that has the right to tell my wife to cover her hair. If it doesn't offend me, it cannot offend you or any angel. That is if we are practicing it literally, if we are assuming that the hair is not given for the covering, even though scripture says that clearly. It didn't say cover your hair. It says cover your head. Head. Cover your head. Nobody has the right to husband my wife. That African thing say our wife. No. No, no way. No way. And that's how one day in laws will come. Hey, hey, bring the food. Let me eat. You have not cooked because you made her our wife. Our, you know. How is our wife? I said, who is that? I said, who, who is that? I don't know who that is. Why are we sharing as wife? Oh, your wife. Oh, I see. What did you say? My wife. Not your wife. We don't share wife. 
Even in your thoughts, we don't share wife. Because that's how friends will come into a house. Sit down because they're going to a guy house. And they say, and they say, you are so stupid as a lady if you're already doing it to a man you're not married to. You're, you're, you're already on a very, very essentially high level of stupidity. You are sitting down. Just boyfriend and girlfriend. Your friends, your boyfriend's friends. Come. They call you. Ngasi, come and bring something for sit down. Ngasi, ah, hey, see your legs. See where well, you see your wife, she, your girl, she settle. And you're like, <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> and you're walking around. Say, oh, so fine. <laughs> Thank you. You're running around like a waiter in crunches. For a boyfriend's friends. And you say, I'm a son of God. You don't have sense. You don't have sense. Is anybody receiving instruction? Yeah. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Husbands, you, you wives, you, why husbands or men have no time running around trying to find a woman to subdue. Subdue the earth, not the woman. Submit to, to your husband. A lot of women have wasted submission. When they got to their husband, they ran out of it. Submitted to a boyfriend. Submitted to a secondary school guy. Submitted to a cult guy in university. Submitted to somebody that kept you under. And you just ran out of the will to submit. And God leads you to a place of rest. And you are now fighting that place because of your past. Guys who were worse to you got the better of you. Than somebody who is nice to you. Keep fighting what is. What is. Because of what was. Now it's time to submit. You can't bring yourself to submit. You can't bring yourself. Because some guy was nasty to you. The same way that you are struggling with giving. Because you found out that you were cheated. By tight and first fruit. Now get angry. It's a childish reaction. We love you through it and wait for you to come through it. But if you're going to be to a man. Willingly. You have to. Submit. And husband too is submitting to wife. In the fear of the Lord. But not deferring to her as head. So there are dimensions to the submission. I will submit to you as fellow heirs of the grace of God. Not submit to you and abdicate headship to you, O wife. There's one head. A two-headed relationship is a hydra-headed monster. Some things I'm now at, li- I'm now at liberty to say. Finally, we submit to employers and superiors, even when they treat us unjustly. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 25. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Keep going. Whether to the kings are supreme. We stopped at 17, so let's go to 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Go back to 18 in the TPT. Let somebody receive instruction today that hopefully can change the course of their lives. Those who are servants, submit to the authority of those who are your masters, not only to those who are kind and gentle, but even to those who are hard and difficult. 19. You find God's favor. By deciding to please God even when you endure hardship because of unjust suffering. There's something about God navigating you through your times because you chose to honor him even when the going got bad. Keep going. 
For what merit is it to endure mistreatment for wrongdoing? You did something wrong, I punished you, you want me to praise you? No, you ought to have taken the punishment because you were wrong. Does that make sense? Yet, if you are mistreated when you do what is right and you faithfully endure it, not stubbornly resist it because you are right. At that point, you become wrong. You become wrong for insisting you are right in a position you should have submitted. Ah, Did you hear what I just said? You are right. But this called for submission and instead you stood your ground to insist you were right. At that point, you became wrong. But if you endure maltreatment faithfully, this is commendable before God. Next verse. In fact, you were called to live this way because Christ also took maltreatment or mistreatment and endured sufferings even though he was right. He did it for you. So we are called to live this way. Imitate. If he took it, so can you. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. And then we sing it and feel good. Oh, like you would again a hundred billion times. Wow. Leave it out. Suffered also in your place, leaving you his example for you to follow. How much clearer can this be, guys? Keep going. He never sinned. He never spoke deceitfully. When he was verbally abused, he did not return with an insult. When he suffered, he would not threaten retaliation. Jesus faithfully entrusted himself into the hands of God who judges righteously. He himself carried out the sins in his body on the cross, on the tree, King James says, so that we will be dead to sin and live for righteousness. The example is clear. Example is clear. We submit to superiors even when it's unfavorable. Are you getting this? Because submission is a hallmark of imitation. He did it, we do the same. He did it, we do the same. He did it, it's good enough for us. No questions to ask. You know, it's different when you say no questions asked. It could imply you have questions, but you sat on them. No questions to ask means at the point of hearing what his word says is good enough for you to obey in totality without having to subject yourself to any critical thinking that brings about questions. Are you instructed? Sonship is submission. Imitating is submission. That's what we're looking at. We'll continue next week, Sunday. So with each teaching... Take what you have come into and put it to use. Don't compare notes. Don't try it. Just, just jump in. Just jump in. Jump in ferociously and push. And let there be a rise of the planet of the sons. Let there be a rise of manifestation of sons. Thoroughly processed in the furnace of discipleship. Thoroughly. Submission, you need to come off yourself. Because you will need to. Submit to somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you awake enough to be excited? Yes, sir.
This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.